0: Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Most importantly, this campaign is an opportunity for high schoolers to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Sound like something your child might be interested in? You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at LLS .org/students That's lls.org/students Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media. I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity investigating the world and asking a lot of questions in this show i chat with culture defining leaders thinkers and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct today's episode is a very special one and it's a bit longer than normal too but i promise it's well worth a listen Or let me put it this way, it will either resonate with every fiber of your being or not at all. No judgment either way. I have been asking Carissa to let me interview her for two years, first when I was still at Goop. She always said no, so I was elated when she finally said yes. I met Carissa Schumacher through an improbable and miraculous email. My friend Kristen told me that she had been on an incredible journey with a forensic medium in Sedona. Now, Kristen and I both know a lot of mediums, some of the world's best, but Kristen was blown away by her experience of Carissa. I asked Kristen to introduce me, and she sent her a note on my behalf using only my first name, no other details. Kristen cautioned me that sometimes Carissa doesn't feel called to respond, so I didn't hold my breath. But about a week later, I received an email in response that blew my mind. Carissa channeled a high school friend's father, and it took me a day to figure out who she could be talking about. She talked about how it was, this man's wife's birthday. She talked about Lake Oswego and games of Uno and the gates of heaven and hell. I went to a high school called Hellgate. Anyway, it was full of details, names, dates, and... When I finally figured out who it was, I was able to pass the message on. But at the end, she wrote the following to me. Elise, to this point, has been a spiritual seeker. She is competitive, and the path to embodiment and presence is not about the doing that she is so good at. It is about the being. It is time for her now to stop hooking to spirit guides, topical individuated energies. While that is nice for the mind's need for proof in the beginning, she now knows what she needs— which is to feel one with the light. And I feel like her doubt led her to seek spirit, but now it is an endless cycle that perpetuates her notion that spirit is out there. She needs to turn off the outside voice to listen to the inner. How right she was. Since she was a little girl, Carissa has always seen dead people, though she pushed all of that aside. She went to Brown and got her neuroscience degree, She tried to have a normal life and career, and then spirit made the call, and she put that all down. She started working as an empathic, intuitive, and forensic psychic medium, leading retreats in Sedona and working with clients around the world, including doing a lot of pro bono work on crimes. This was all well and good until October 2019, around the time when I first met her. When Carissa was little, an angelic presence told her she would be a channel for Yeshua of Nazareth, which she didn't think about much at the time. She wasn't raised in a religious household. She didn't even know what it meant. But then Yeshua birthed in her channel, which means that while she was leading a retreat in Sedona, he took over her body and voice and gave a transmission or a teaching. Yeshua, as you might have guessed, is Jesus. If it sounds wild, it is. I have been in the presence of Carissa while she's channeling Yeshua many times now and it is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I would say that it's incredible, but they've also been some of the most grounded moments of my life. Yeshua is funny, brilliant, kind, an ascended master like Buddha or Lao Tzu, and as he talks you can feel the codexes of energy behind his words. The transmissions also are not particularly religious, if that makes sense. As he has remarked, he never wanted a church in his name, and the Bible is a series of stories, some that are instructive, some that are parables, many told by people who never knew him. Last year, he asked Carissa to turn on her recorder for several days, and he brought forth The Freedom Transmissions, a series of teachings about the year that we just experienced, plus how to move forward. It is a beautiful book, you can open and flip to almost any page and find something of resonance and need. What's more incredible is that Carissa channeled Yeshua for the audiobook, so you can actually hear him speak through the voice of a woman. Odd, but really cool. If this feels like something for you, I strongly encourage you to get both to listen as you read, or listen in meditation and refer back to what's on the page. In today's conversation, We talk about the freedom transmissions, as well as other moments from Yeshua transmissions I've heard over the years, including about the one thing that humans actually own, which is time. We talk about co-creation, we talk about the true definition of atonement, and we talk about the idea of freedom and how hard it is to make the leap from the cage. I'm so excited that Carissa is coming out a bit into the world. She is essentially a hermit. She has no social, no website, and there was really no way to get to her unless you knew how. So I'm thrilled that you get to hear from her here. As she says, she is not Yeshua, just one of his channels and a student alongside the rest of us, but she still has a brilliant mind. Let's get to our conversation. This is... So exciting. I, you know, as you know, I've been, I tried, I guess it's been almost years at this point to get you to do something like this with me. So to have you on the other side of the microphone is just an incredible honor. And I'm so thrilled now that the world gets to know about you because I felt a little guilty that not everyone has had access, I have to say. So Yay, Carissa. Carissa's coming out party. In very
1: little increments, (laughs) little baby steps, but I, I have learned, you know, this past year in particular that there's a balance to be struck between allowing Yeshua's energy and the power of his offerings and wisdom to move into, you know, into a wider audience while also maintaining my you know my life structure and my my normal service to to those that I love and and cherish.
0: Yeah. So to give some people some context for how we met, I so I was introduced to Carissa. Actually, not introduced to Carissa. A friend of mine told me about Carissa, who at that time you ha- you were not even. This was pre very uh, pre Yeshua. So you were just conducting these incredible journeys and doing forensic mediumship. And a friend at a breakfast with me and another dear member of our tribe, Jennifer, had told us about you. And I was like, I need to know her, please. And Kristen was like, well, I'll ask. But sometimes she turns me down. So of course, that got my interest extra peaked. And you only had my first name. And I got an email from you. And in fact, Kristen called me to, to prepare me for this email because... It was honestly, I mean, I've talked to so many incredibly talented intuitives and mediums and healers over the years. And this email to the day was like one of the most miraculous pieces of text I've ever received. And it took me a full day to figure out who you were talking to because you brought forward my high school uh, tennis partner's father. And it was this girl's mother's birthday. And it was the most, besides sort of the the wildness of this message, and again, I didn't know who it It took me a while to figure out who it was, and then every single puzzle piece fit. But the message itself was so powerful because essentially this man, profoundly Catholic man, was saying to his daughters, I need you to understand that God is not out there. God is in here. And it was so beautifully said. It was so respectful of the faith and the tradition in which he had raised his family. And yet he was asking them in this message through me so randomly to reimagine their whole understanding of Mm. the divine outside of religion, really. And then there were other fascinating parts. The most meaningful message for me personally, I don't even I don't even know if you remember any of this, but you said to me effectively enough you have enough proof no more proof no more party tricks no more like chatting with intuitives and forensic mediums like it's big spirit time which was so I mean that's really kind of what I needed because I think so many of us and why I think your book is so incredible is that so many of us sort of pedal around in that like me 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 energy like I want signs I want affirmation that sign's not good enough give me another sign that we missed the bigger picture so that was my long preamble into how I I don't even know if you remember that message but then that was right before your first journey with Yeshua so I've kind of known you on both sides
1: oh do I remember that message <laughs> i I remember, you know, I, I don't re- always remember specifics of everything, just because, you know, I am, you know, a medium, so I have a huge amount of spirit uh, coming through in in different ways. But, you know, one of the reasons that I remember it is for the very reason that you were speaking of, which was, you know, I had, I had to really look to my integrity to even deliver that message because it was so profound in the way that this man who I don't know, you know, was coming through and I didn't even know if, you know, you would understand what the message was or, you know, and, but I just had to take the leap of faith and I was, you know, I was worried that maybe I was violating a boundary and sharing that and, that's something that I've had my whole life where spirit is coming forward and, you know, wants to deliver a message or whatnot, but I have to really utilize my discernment, you know, so that I'm not violating people's boundaries or saying things that, you know, open up old wounds or whatnot. What I give forth has to be compassionate and for purposes of healing. So I was I was afraid of sending that <laughs> message just because I knew the impact of change that it could have the ability to catalyze. But that's when we need to choose the faith over fear, which is something that Yeshua speaks about over and over in the book. You know, when we have that intuitive guidance, even though it doesn't always make sense to the mind, but when there's, you know, that intuition to offer your gifts or what you receive or messages that we really need to trust that not only is it right to do that in a balanced and compassionate way, but it's also change can't be catalyzed without communication. And so it was your receptivity to that message that was almost as healing as the message itself, because Mm -hmm. that gave you, you know, I almost feel like we spirit was asking us to like tag team that. The spirit was coming through to me. I didn't even know you. I delivered the message to you. You know, you deliver it forward, and it was a very beautiful co-creative process. But what I feel was so was the most important thing about it was the power of the connection that it brought to us, and yes. the the depth yeah. of illumination and you know, in co-creative service that that we have the ability to catalyze in our individual ways, but also together.
0: Yeah. And just, just so people know, which is I think a really interesting part of the story is that ultimately I, I was connected to one of the girls that the message was for. And I similarly was like, this is kind of, I haven't spoken to this girl and this is a girl from Montana who I hadn't spoken to since I was a teenager and I essentially was like, this, I feel uncomfortable not delivering this message. And it was not it was not received. I think it was you know, in violation of her Catholic faith. True. And even though it was her birth, her mother's, it was all of these things were so true. And it was so interesting because I remember talking to you and Jennifer and Kristen about it and, and we were like, I think this miracle was for us. Yes. And you know, it was really for me a catalyst, into this whole period with you. And even the book that I'm writing, which was this basic premise of how interesting that we are so much more confident putting our faith in the structures that we see versus the miracles that we don't understand and can't explain. And then immediately after that, we were thrust into our first void, which was COVID.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which yeshua warned us about he said in t- oh gosh he is so prophetic you know when he, when he officially you know birthed or came through for the first time it was you know it was toward the end of 2019 and some of those transmissions are included in the beginning part of the freedom transmissions and it's really fascinating to read them because in so many words it was already in 2019 and early 2020 that he was like well the world's gonna change. You haven't been you know, living in balance and there's going to be a period where there's going to be a lot of deconstruction, not just destruction, but also deconstruction of you know, a lot of the assumptions that you've made about the world, about your level of safety, about your ability to s- sustain life in a way that is so uh, disconnected from the divine, from the ecosystem, and from from one another. And so there is going to be a period of, you know, voids and polarity that is not coming, you know, to, to hurt you in any way. But this period is coming forth to show you the truth of what you haven't wanted to see. And he presented that in such a way that, you know, it was so seamless and so simple as always. Yeshua's Offerings are so profoundly powerful with richness of depth and deeper levels within each. However, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, you know, it sounds like, you know, maybe there's going to be some changes, maybe like a natural disaster here. And it was like, no, when he said a period of change is coming on your planet. He was not mincing his words. So it's very interesting that, in kind of the death of this old era that we've been in, that has been very much the era of the mind or the masculine, where there have been all of these structures where there's more focus on beliefs instead of the thing, the thought construct instead of the essence of the thing itself, where there has been, you know, just an era of a lot of, you know, of order of creation, of external structures, of more and more and more, and now we are shifting into this new era, and in 2020, that was really the, the death of the old era, and we've been maneuvering our way into the new era ever since, Which is which is what the book talks about, but it's just, it's interesting that, you know, the story that you started with, with the conflict that people have between beliefs and then their faith is something that we are still unraveling as a world. And from what I see, we are not just here to be divine beings in absence of the physical. You know, that that message is something that doesn't really work, that we're just here to be divine and perfect and godlike. And not to participate in any of our humanness, you know, not allowed to be sexual beings, the uh, certain churches and and religious institutions, there's a lot of focus on that, you know, be divine, cut yourself off from your sexuality or your humanness, your humanness is bad. And then we have the other spectrum of things, which is everything is about the humanness and there is no divinity there is no spirit connection or anything else and i think that where we're really coming to as a world is establishing that intermediate space where mm-hmm. our we can exist in chaff where we can have our divinity and yet weave and braid that divinity into our humanness and that is something that structures religions whatever else you know all structures in our world have not yet really reconciled that very empowering and sovereign energy and a sense of being the divine, but within human form. And that is what this new era is really all about. It's about connecting to consciousness that we are, you know, as Yeshua says in the book, you are the wheat in chaff, you are spirit or soul that is embodied. And it is through connecting through that consciousness and weaving and streaming that consciousness through yourself, through what you do, through how you serve, that is how mountains move. That is how the world changes. The world is not going to change by focusing on fixing all of these things out here. We can't fix all those things out here until we've come into balance and stasis and peace in here. And so I am really looking forward to You know of course the journey into this new era and the book provides some really amazing wisdom on how to reconcile the difference between authentic faith and then just beliefs that we call faith because that is very different even yeshua himself there are certain beliefs that people have about what yeshua is what he said How we're supposed, and this isn't just true for Yeshua, it's true for Buddha, it's true for you know all sorts of other avatars or you know powerful figures, especially powerful spiritual beings. There's the construct of what Yeshua should be or is that is very much associated in the past, and then there's his true essence within the now. So he says many times in the freedom transmissions: know me not as I was. But as I am, know yourself not as you were, but as you are. And that means Mm -hmm. more than just looking to, you know, to him within the now. It means that connecting to that divinity, whether it's Yeshua or Magdalene or Allah or whatever other word or name you want to call, it doesn't matter. But the connection point is within self and that is a faith it is an unseen presence of the wheat within self that has very little to do with what you do or do not believe in what you do and do not like it's a state of being it's a state of essence that really has nothing else to do with the external and yeshua brings us through the pathway of really illuminating the yeshua within self which requires kind of killing the ego imbalances or the concept of the separate self the ego self the me 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 i i i self-absorbed self there there's kind of a death process that someone experiences through the process of reading, so that they can resurrect in their divine self and that is really important for the understanding of spirit not just in terms of spirit guides and people coming through that, you know, beloveds that you've maybe lost in spirit. It's not just true for that. It's true for the wholeness of spirit that permeates every aspect of our existence, every aspect of our being.
2: Vet bills can be expensive, but spot pet insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills. So you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep. Up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet, and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit spotpet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample-policy. Spot pet insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC.
0: You brought up the imbalances, and I want to talk about those, too. And what I loved what you were saying about the way that we conceive— you know, historically, it's this like, oh, let's overcome the body. Let's overcome matter. Let's Mm. let's get above this, this ascension idea, right? Like that this where we are right now, right here is not the thing that we're trying to, to get the thing by overcoming our earthly, bad bodily selves. And I don't know if this is in freedom transmissions or from another journey, but I thought it was so powerful. And it's something that I think about all the time, which is, Yeshua, who is also hilarious, by the way, but he, <laughs> but he, you know, I think so many of us struggle with this feeling of unworthiness. I know he's always like, just take worth out of your vocabulary. But sure. this idea that our existence is is insignificant. Yeah. And essentially, I think it was in June, maybe, that he was talking about how everything belongs to the divine. We have all these ideas about what we own and that that's all a fallacy. But the thing that we uniquely have that is outside of the divine is time. And so this, they the divine, however you want to think about it, Allah, Buddha, when we invite them to co-create with us here in this moment, we are giving them unique access to time. And I thought that was so Beautiful and also so reassuring that this there's a point here. We're doing work. We're evolving. We're trying to catch up with our the progress that we've made.. Sure. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: So I have to be a little bit careful because, of course, you know, I'm Yeshua's channel and vessel. But when I'm giving a transmission, I'm totally dissolved in my consciousness. So
0: no, you're right there with us. I know after yes, the fact, listen, so
1: in. I have to, you know, I can offer, you know, in a co-creative dialogue, you know, what I sense and perceive, but I'm right there with everybody else in terms of integrating the transmissions. And so I just want to make sure. You know, to to make the distinction that this is not, you know, what Yeshua is saying, but it's, you know, how I experience Yeshua, because it is really important that, you know, when someone is reading or listening to a transmission, it's their own, it's their own process. Like there's something for everyone. It doesn't matter if someone's an atheist or they're a Catholic or they're Jewish or whatever. It has, you know, Yeshua, he is the essence of peace. So for people that have a hard time with, you know, calling him Yeshua or Christ or whatever else, you know, I always say, it it doesn't matter what you call him, I connect to him through the energy of peace. So when I experience Mm -hmm. Yeshua, it is a transcendent, omnipotent, imminent, emergent peace that is beyond anything else that I've ever experienced in spirit. As a matter of fact, it's not you know, with Yeshua, it's not just individuated spirit. Like he is the gamut of spirit. So when he comes through, you know it's it's the, the the experience that the reader has directly with Yeshua is really important. So as we're discussing some of these themes, I just wanted to reiterate that you know whatever somebody receives and resonance or dissonance through the process of the freedom transmissions or whatever else, one of the most sacred aspects of what Yeshua offers is that it's so personal and specific to you. So I just wanted to mention that before I stumble and trying to, you know, talk about certain aspects of the book, you know, on the basis of my own perception and whatnot. But what, what, what you were discussing is, it's really important because this you know, it comes down to the essence of of sharing. Sharing in a balanced way, sharing our existence with the divine. And I'm not talking about, you know, the divine as people and beings with wings floating around in the sky. That's not what the divine is. But there is a sharing that we're invited into. And when we awaken to that co-creative path, that we share with the divine, it makes everything in the human so much easier because otherwise we're just kind of born here, we're stuck here, we stumble around in our lives trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. A lot of the rights and wrongs of the world and the shoulds and supposed tos are very much dictated to us from the outside, even though they don't always resonate with us on the inside. And so without that connection, we're very blind. We're just kind of blindly walking around through our lives. And so it is awakening to that unseen force that actually gives us the ability to see and hear with divine eyes and ears, to see the unseen behind a person, to see the inherent you know, worth or sovereignty of a person. And that co creative invitation is really everything that Yeshua has always represented, then or now. He was an intermediary in a sense. And never once did Yeshua ever say anything that was complicated. He wasn't here to smash things down, to force us into, you know, with indoctrinated teachings and wisdoms. If anything, Yeshua then and now teaches us how to be divine, actually shows us what God is and how to be God in human form through humility, you know, and connecting to simplicity and the joy of being instead of the doing and the doing and doing. That is so important for us to be able to maintain our balance and to be able to receive consciousness consciousness can only be found within the present so when we're focused on progress and out here and progression and doing all of these things and building all of these things and creating all of these things and doing 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 we may create progress in the world but we're not actually evolving on the inside Mm -hmm. that co-creative evolution of the divine is such an empowering concept that I never would have thought of before Yeshua presented it, that we are actually helping to evolve the divine. What we bring into the world is what we bring in to consciousness and into the divine. And that, that carries a certain responsibility and integrity that sometimes gets gets lost. We kind of think, oh, you know, we're these puny beings, and why doesn't the The divine do it all for us, and you know God can't be real; otherwise, there wouldn't be suffering within the world. And you know, there's, there's, and it's just such a disempowering state where the divine is out there, we're down here, and we have to either somehow cross this bridge to be able to ascend or to get up there. But that's not what this life structure. This is not what human form is about. It is about bringing in a co-creative way with the divine divinity into the humanity and letting that spill forth so that our lives are not just about servitude, serving out a sentence, so that we can get to heaven later. It's about (laughs) service through joy. Because true freedom, freedom is a state of being that exists on the inside. You know, a lot of people were very disappointed with Yeshua and his life. I mean, it's one of the the reasons that they crucified him because they expected Yeshua, you know, son of God, to come in, slay all their enemies, you know, restore the kingdom to them. And instead, they got a man who, who said, love thy neighbor as thyself, choose love, practice integrity, that the power of God, that the kingdom lies within you all of these very, very simple wisdoms. And however his message became complicated over time, that was not the divine doing that, that was the human contribution, a lot of it having to do with the human ego contribution. And I believe that in some ways now through the transmissions that he's giving, he's helping us to take back our power, to take Mm -hmm. back the power of our divinity, power that we don't even know that we have we all think about power as being the most important having the most status or the most money or whatever else and yeshua was like that's not power that's just owning stuff having stuff that's about dominance and you know surviving and procreation and fighting your way to the top and more and more and more he's like that's not true power sure that stuff money sex power they may get you stuff Within the world, but that's not your true power. Your true power comes from the qualities of the divine that exist within you the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness Hmm. being a power, we have the power to forgive. That is incredible. Another, the power of perception. We have a choice our perceptions, we need to bring awareness into consciousness because we have the power to shift our perception, not only of ourself, but of the entire world around us. And by breaking down some of these really limiting perceptions and kind of thought structures that have been programmed into us, our entire perception of our power, of our abilities, our Ability to live our dreams, our ability to realize our joy, our ability to get through issues or addictions or obstacles that we face time and time again. We have that divine power within us. And Yeshua is really a beacon that allows us to find that pathway to peace in very, very simple ways that focus predominantly on the inner evolution so that the external progress can be sustainable
0: yeah oh god there's so much in there i mean to double back to the very beginning when you are distinguishing yourself from yeshua the thing that i think that's so um incredible and i know you are reading the audio of this book he's you're channeling him to read it which i think is wild i'm just thinking about the sort of higher mind and the way that that rules the way that we live, having been in your presence, when you are channeling him and being in the presence of Mother Mary of all of all of these different energies, it's an ex- it's a co- you talk about it always as coded language, sure. and I think just for anyone who's listening, the words themselves are amazing. And as my friend said, Yeshua's kind of a rapper because <laughs> the way that he like talks so, about language is incredible, and the way that he and I want to sort of. go through words with you in that Yeshua way, but it's all coded. So much of this I think is, and and this is, I'm speaking about myself as a reader and always in my mind, wanting to understand, wanting to understand, wanting to understand. And so much of my experience of Yeshua has been as a felt experience, as a palpable shift. It's like, and I've had dreams, I've had visitations where I've felt Downloaded. I know that sounds sure. insane, but I just want for people to to know that what also in the difference that part of it is in the energy behind the words, which as you also say are sort of a call to back to ourselves, to that like you're the only person who can be you. And I was thinking today just the conversation about Equality, or the conversation about atonement, or even freedom.
1: How about sin? That—that's that, <laughs> that, one that we that is both a hot topic for both of us. I mean, all of because they're all wrapped into one another. With equality, who is deserving? Who is not deserving? What actually is equality? You know, freedom is another one that Yeshua talks so much about words and the roots of words because it is so important and you said this before to have our terms right because very often we're on two totally different pages with the meaning of things and we're actually talking about the same thing but because the terms we're working off of are different it leads to clashes and dissonant energies and so two people can be talking about the same thing but without really defining the terms and simplifying things in, in the in, you know, in the best possible way in terms of communication well then something really can't resonate in its in its original meaning and Yeshua has said many times since you know he birthed at least through the lens of my channel that a lot of his words were you know in some ways hijacked or you know or corrupted or misperceived Along the way. And so he does really like to take us through the redefinition of specifically what he meant by saying certain things, like separating the wheat from the chaff. You know, we think of that as separating what's of worth to you from what's not of worth to you. But in the book, he taught in the Freedom Transmissions, he talks a lot about the many different meanings behind things. And Yeshua does this a lot in in his transmissions where you can hear one of his offerings one way and then get a totally different meaning about it like three days later and whatever way those downloads come to you. And the downloads are not just in the information that he gives, but beneath the surface, he's moving energy through you. You know, So it's very common to have a lot of emotion that's coming to the surface as he's talking about You know, some of the roots of of these logos and codexes that have just become so marred and, you know, and shame and punitive type of energies, perfect one of them, you just said it earlier, would be the discussion on repentance and atonement. Those repentance Mm -hmm. and atonement, oh my gosh. Five years ago, if someone had, you know, said that I would be doing a channeled book and that there would be focus on repentance and atonement, I would have been like, go screw yourself. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> the way that it has been so healing for me to, to really listen to the way that he talks about these words. So I'll just pick out you know, a couple of different ones. Sin, for example, I did not know that there actually was no word for sin during yeshua's time it meant sin meant missing the mark that's it we're just missing the mark there is no you know burning in hell and whips and chains with cyclops until the end of time like you know a lot of those fear-based institutions that in some ways were needed because you know they got people to function millennia ago in a society in a way that people weren't clubbing people over the head every 10 seconds but you know at the same time a lot of those meanings became really mired in a lot of unconsciousness and shadow and what Yeshua reminds us of is that sin it's just a missing of the mark the divine does not judge we as human beings judge and a very powerful and revelatory message about you know, the true essence of suffering or the imbalances or missings of the mark that we have as human beings is in, is in the gospel of Magdalene, which of course, you know, it's kind of funny to me that all of these, the Bible or the new Testament, it includes, you know, maybe four accounts of people that actually knew Yeshua And then a whole lot of other accounts from apostles or people that never knew him, people that came 200 years after him, and yet they leave out the gospel of Mary Magdalene, who was the one at his feet during the crucifixion. They leave out, you know, the gospel of Philip, the gospel of like these really important eyewitnesses just because of the messages of you know, I think a lot of, of what they said was the messages that came to, to these disciples or these followers of Christ very shortly after Yeshua's death. You know, a lot of the Bible focuses on Yeshua's life through the crucifixion with just maybe a little bit of rudimentary understanding of, you know, what came after with the resurrection and the ascension or whatever else. But these the gospel of mary magdalene was really the first time that yeshua came to a channel she Mm -hmm. channeled him her experience of him she well she called it and referred to it specifically as the new and he provided a really powerful you know teaching and offering to her about the difference of the pneuma or the psyche so to speak in the, in the language of the small P, the pneuma, the small self, the the ego self or the separate self, and then the pneuma, which is the capital P numa, the psyche, the God self, the God mind, that energy of consciousness. And in these, you know, in this specific channeling that came through Mary Magdalene, specifically Yeshua said through his spirit body, through her, that there was no sin, that Mm -hmm. the imbalances, it's the imbalances of the ego, it's the imbalances of the mind, such as fear of death and ending, such as desires of the flesh, such as foolish wisdom, where we think and assume that we know better when we don't really ever know anything as human beings, where there's (laughs) wrathful wisdom which is just that rage impulse that causes people to act you know from their primal self in a way that is not loving to thy neighbor and you know the gospel of mary magdalene as well as you know when yeshua came through my channel and was talking about the imbalances which was before i had even read the gospel of magdalene he talked about sin as just these seven imbalances of the mind and in the book, he gives us this amazing invitation on how to bring these back into balance. And as they come into balance, you move into the numa, the divine self, the Yeshua self, so to speak. And then it is way easier to access your own channel, your own originality, your own creativity, your own essence, your own peace, And to channel that out, to channel that Yeshua essence of self in whatever way you were designed out into the world. And so there is a huge amount of there's just such unconditional love to what he offers and nothing is punitive or harsh about it. He shows us and guides us and gives us a pathway to our own balance and in finding that, we find our own divinity and we find our own
0: peace. And even atonement, he's like, it's at one meant, right? <laughs> Am I getting that right? Remembering yeah. that correctly, <laughs> that that's all it is.
1: Well, it's- yes, he's, it's, <laughs> so repentance, the, the, this was one of my favorite cause that word used to rile me up like no other. And now I, now I kind of understand why that fed into a lot of my like guilt and shame programming that I felt such dissonance with that word, but repentance what 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 I love that Yeshua says about that is that repentance is not sacrifice and murderdom and torturing yourself and beating yourself up for all of the stuff that you did and did not do under under what terms who who even defines that like the world god you it's all very confusing repentance he said is giving over your burdens and crosses giving over that which is not serving you repentance is choosing faith and instead of hanging on to all of these burdens, like a, you know, a failing relationship or an abusive relationship or an addiction. Repentance is letting go of what mm-hmm. is no longer serving you and having the humility to go before the divine to say, look, I'm I'm only human. I messed this up. You know, I'm presenting this. I don't want this addiction anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to keep manifesting from this, you know, this, the shadow behavior. And it's having the humility to take that before the divine and say, I need help, help. I am giving this over. I am giving this burden and this cross over to you divine so that I can feel what is hiding beneath it. And that Mm -hmm. is incredibly sacred I even, (laughs) I even had this, I'm not allowed to like be a dentist with bad teeth. So as Yeshua's channel, he really holds me to a very high standard. I'm not special in any way. I don't get special treatment. If anything, I have to really adhere to, to the wisdoms and the practices that he offers, you know, almost more, almost more than anyone. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, Not resonant, it's not believable. So I have to practice a lot of humility and integrity within my own self to, you know, to move to the process within. But I used to have a huge, huge burden of feeling obligated to meet other people's expectations. It was such a huge burden where I would feel inordinate guilt if someone needed me to, you know, channel someone in spirit or give them a session. To the point that I was, you know, doing so many sessions that I was starting to feel resentful towards people, whether it was a client or pro bono, it didn't matter. And I was starting to feel resentful, you know, towards spirit and repentance, you know, very early on when Yeshua birthed, he made me give that burden over to him. Like he took it from me. He was, he's like, you are not allowed to commit to anything that leaves you in resentment because then you're not serving you're not serving through joy that's servitude and so Mm -hmm. he made me give over that burden and that forced me to feel what was lying beneath the burden and the cross so the burden or the cross was just you know the behavior or the choices focused on the external that was masking you know, some, some stuff that I had to work through on the internal, such as fear of failure, such as fear that if I didn't please everyone around me, that I wasn't worthy of love, that I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to receive love, that no one would care about me if I don't give and give and give and give to everybody else and make them happy then I'm not going to receive love in my life. And I had to really grieve those mind constructs, those ego constructs. I had to really grieve them. And it was, it was scary because it meant that I would need to make changes and to structure boundaries with clients. And there are, you know, there are implications for that. But I the joy when I gave the burden and the crossover, when I repented it you know, repented the punishment that that brought to me, the burdens that it created for others, then it was like this massive liberation came where I didn't have to pretend anymore. I didn't have to be so perfect anymore. And that is something that Yeshua really helps us with. He's like, as a human being, your path is not perfection. If you try to go for perfection, you're going to miss the mark every single time, but just because you are imperfect does not make you unworthy. And that is one of my favorite messages in the book. Just because you are imperfect and struggle with hitting the mark, missing the mark, whatever else, that does not diminish your worth. That does not diminish your divinity. It does not diminish your worth. It does not diminish your worthiness of love. And it certainly doesn't diminish your ability to serve through your presence. And that is what is so sacred about that. So as I repented, you know, this burden or this cross that I was carrying and gave it over to Yeshua, who's way better at carrying burdens and crosses out than, than we are, as I was able to give that over to him, then I could move into at- atonement, which is at one mint being at one with the divine and with one another but yeshua also defines it as at one moment that within one moment you can shift from being in me 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 i my problems the world is out to get me and at one moment you can shift that see a person who's struggling reach out your hand and serve through joy and that is Mm. what atonement is it's when you've had the liberation of kind of repenting all of this crap, processing and feeling and accepting yourself as you are. And then all of a sudden, this passion, this joy rises and at one moment or atonement or at one moment is just that call that you have to serve through all this abundance of light that is that is spilling from you so that you can help others to connect to their their wheat and their divinity as well. So that's Yeshua's take on these big bad ones.
0: (laughs) I woke up at 2 a.m. last night drenched in sweat, throwing bedding off of me. Every pet was also on top of me, which probably didn't help. Many nights I have the opposite problem where I'm hunting in the hall closet for extra blankets in the wee hours because I'm freezing. In part, this is because my husband and I have wildly different sleep temperature preferences. And I'm cold because he's left all the sliding doors in our house wide open. But there's actually a solution I've come to learn. And I'm all about a sleep solution because we know how important good uninterrupted sleep is for every facet of health. Have you heard about ChiliPad by SleepMe? It's a bed cooling system designed to revolutionize the way you sleep naturally. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. You can also choose a different setting than your partner, so you each get what you need. What I want? A cool mattress with piles of blankets on top. ChiliPad believes sleeping at the optimal temperature helps people naturally reach their highest potential physically and mentally. Visit www.sleep.me/thread to get your ChiliPad and save up to $315 with code THREAD. This offer is available exclusively for pulling the THREAD listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepsleep.me/slash thread because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. As you know, I am so I met you at a moment in my life of not even resurrection. I had to get on my knees first. And you really held my hand with all of those things that you were talking about, those feelings of worth and value as perceived by what I can do versus who I am. And really, besides COVID, for me personally, which I think I think that all of these experiences are true for us on on the macro as well as the micro level, sort of holding my hand in faith, teaching me faith in some ways, rather than fear. And this idea of sort of voids, which you talk about, we've talked about a little bit, but this like being in the womb, really, and not knowing what the other side is going to look like, which is very hard. It's dark. You feel the quickening. You don't know what's happening. It's, it's terrifying in some ways, but it's also the beginning of possibility and one of the things that you said to me as things were canceled out of my life to make space and to make room was to find clarity, not only sort of in the repentance and the handing over those burdens, but to start to actually, and this this was a big step for me out of fear, which was what are your wants versus what are your needs? Because the divine is very good at serving needs. I don't even remember if you said that to me, but you were like, so many people are like, but I, you know, but I, but I, but I, in this frantic way. And you were like, let's get really clear, get clear about your needs versus your wants. Like the needs can be served and they happen. And I think, (laughs) I don't know where I would actually be, honestly, without you. You've been such an anchor for me. But can you talk a little bit about that? Like the needs versus the wants specifically? And there's such,
1: it's such a big one. And it's why, you know, refinement and realignment are so huge right now. So wants, there is the mind wants are very much about the mind. I'll put it that way. They're very much about more, you know, and this, we started our discussion with this, this way that, you know, when we first met, it was, you wanted to seek out more people and more proof. And the mind just keeps wanting validation, validation. It wants it. It wants it. It wants it. All of that validation all the time. You know, it's there like this background voice being like, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I in control? Am I growing You know, it's very, very hypervigilant. And that want voice is incredibly impulsive. It's kind of like, you know, it's like the part of self where when you're really, really hungry and there's the want that you have to go just eat a bunch of ice cream and fast food. And the want, you know, if you go and do that, you feel better, you know, you get hopped up on dopamine or whatever, sugar for all of five seconds. And then you feel like shit for like three days afterwards. That's if you serve the want, but the need for your body is to eat a delicious satiating meal. And one of the reasons that we are so in this mess of burdens way before 2020 hit, is because we are living in a world that has become very much about want. A lot of our ancestors, even people, you know, 60, 70 years ago, we really had to look at needs because we weren't even then, and especially a hundred years ago in a convenience culture, you know, you couldn't just, Oh, you know, running late for dinner, you know, going to run to you know, pizza hut or whatever else it is to grab food for my kids, you had to prepare meals, like not everything was so instant and on demand in terms of gratification. So people had to focus a little bit more on their needs. And now we've shifted into this more and more culture, more and more and the world, especially a lot of the marketing systems, which Yeshua talks a lot about in the book, Oop, and he doesn't mince any words on this, but there are a lot of structures right now that want us locked in want, wanting that next technology, this next thing, this next thing. It's like this dangling carrot of want and want and want. And so you go after the wants and the needs are never satisfied. Like, when do you get there? When with the, with the, with the you know rising up and assuming more power and more money and all of that sort of stuff and if you look at you know even some of the billion billionaires in the world they're billionaires and they're they still don't feel like they have enough and that's the problem with the wants it's never satiating in the long run needs we need to strip things down to the needs because right now. We are so lost in the wants for this and the news and for, you know, this side of politics or for our side to win and the other side to, we're so polarized in that energy that is kind of just riddled in a lot of external thought bubbles and fear prisons. There's very little original thought that comes from that place. And we need to shift out of that want to really look at what our needs are. In the serving of all of those wants for that next reading, that next validation, that next piece of cake, that next iPhone, that next cookie, we have needs that are not being met. Needs for intimacy, needs of time for being, needs for being able to find a certain level of stillness within self. This is one of the things that I hear over and over in sessions and have for the past 15 years, people that are so caught up in the rat race of life that even when they go through an awakening or want to connect in a deeper way to the divine, they're so kind of almost jittery from all of the stuff and the you know commercials and the technology that they can't quiet their minds, needs, you can really, needs are always those of your divine self and nourishing those, listening to those, really allowing your needs to be fulfilled when your needs are fulfilled, spirit's needs are fulfilled as well. Wants never really fulfill anything, but an incomplete part of self that you're seeking externally to fill. Wants mm. are a deeply internal process that allow for balance and that allow for really the four chambers of the sacred heart that Yeshua uh, speaks about to become the most important uh, governing structures in your life, like simplicity, living in simplicity. Yeshua is not saying let's all tear down society and go back to living in huts and roaming the desert. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, find simplicity, and that is not something that the external world can define for you. Stop looking for the external world to find your balance because every single one of you has a different and unique essence. So you need to stop abdicating responsibility and practice integrity for really finding the simple structure for what works for your essence, your body within this life. The next is stability bring stability into your life. Wants are never stable, nor is fear. Fear, it's never the fear that's the problem. It's the projection of fear that is always the problem. And fear is the struggle to try to find stability. But the way when we act from fear, the way that we try to get stability is actually very insane and leads to deeper instability. So Yeshua really asks us to look at simplicity and then stability. What in your life is not stable? Because the areas that are not stable that you're not looking at or just assume that are there, you need to bring consciousness into all aspects of the structure of the structures within your life to continuously be refining and discerning. Is this of resonance? Is this of dissonance to me? Do I have a strong foundation And of course, with stability, the strongest foundation is always faith. And faith, Mm -hmm. Yeshua defines as the recognition of our divinity. And it is recognizing that everything is going to be all right. When you recognize your divinity, there is something that is timeless, that is eternal, that is transcendent to just the trappings of all of the problems and your life or in human life. And when you have that sense of partnership, the faith is there in the unseen, in the void, so to speak, that allows you to feel and know that everything is going to be all right and to make choices that honor faith and that really honor your integrity to self foremost. And then of course, Yeshua mentions surrender, ability to surrender surrendering some of the wants so that we can be in deeper attunement to our needs as well as to others needs and then he speaks of stillness and of course for you i almost feel like you know you were kind of in boot camp with me because you came into my life like right as yeshua was you know was birthing in my channel was when we came together so actually You, me, Jennifer, Krista, like all of us, we were kind of there at ground zero. I mean, I remember almost being afraid to be like, oh, oh, hey, Elise, uh, by the way, (laughs) I forgot to uh, mention to you a couple months ago that I'm a channel for Jesus. Like that sounds so freaking blasphemous and arrogant, you know, but luckily you understood it and you, you went through the process with me. And so you're, you know, you're very much a pioneer into this movement of the new era, which is why you really had to go through the voids almost ahead of everyone else. So if we look at things in your life before, there was not a whole lot of simplicity. You were doing and offering and showering all this wisdom to the world, but it was also you know, in a sense, you are kind of serving other people's dreams and voices, which is an incredible service. But Yeshua really was asking you to honor that call that you felt within self to birth your voice and your message into the world, because it is such an important gift and service to help others through their transitions and voids at this time. So you have moved into deeper, and it wasn't easy because there needs to be the crucifixion or the death of the, you know, the little self, the ego self, to really resurrect the the divine self, and it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. But when I look at things now, things are just—it's like you've just come out of the void, and all of a sudden, these things are just coming together and with simplicity and stability and surrender. In stillness, your book is coming forward, your podcast is coming forward. You don't feel the compulsion to get into the back and forth on things anymore. You accept others. You know, there's not even that sense that you have to try to teach people or to force people to see things in a certain way. You've become extremely adept at planting seeds. And that is exactly Mm -hmm. what you did with the people, you know, that we were speaking, the father wanting to come through to his daughters that wouldn't receive that message because of their, you know, belief systems and whatnot. But you planted a seed and that is what, that's basically almost half of what Yeshua talks about in the freedom transmissions and in all of the other transmissions is plant seeds. That's what he did 2000 years ago he planted seeds on what is possible equality e- equality of, of women and men equality of all people as sovereign beings and it's 2000 years later and we're only beginning to see and understand some of the seeds that he planted you know so long ago and now he's asking us to be the seed planters and that is exactly why we're in such a powerful co-creative service all those that are stepping forward even if they don't understand spirit or even if they you know don't even you know look at things in the way of consciousness or spirituality totally totally fine that is totally fine but those that are hearing and feeling a call to reevaluate what is of worth to them those that are really answering and feeling that call to make changes, to come into deeper peace, to reevaluate and realign with out of servitude through suffering and into service through joy. Those that are really feeling the call to shift their perception from all of these mountains that they have, all of the problems in life, and that are making the choice to kind of shift around some of the mountains or to bring love into some of these mountains to help to dissolve them. That call right now is so important. We are at the beginning of a new era. Yeshua began the last era, and now he's asking us to serve co-creatively, not just with him, but with all of the divine, with all of, all of the light to, to, move, to move humanity into this era of of peace and Christ consciousness and it's it's up to us to be the light holders this time and to volunteer our bodies for, for the light to be able to stream through us in whatever way we're designed to.
0: I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy, not only because I live in a 1500 square foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. In short, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product contents. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Their unique belittin oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's essential for women 18 plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at Ritual.com slash thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com slash thread for 25% off. I know this sounds scary, but the era of you reap what you sow, right? To some degree. (laughs) But be careful about the seeds that you're planting, oh, right? Oh like- <laughs> gosh, I wasn't even
1: going to bring that up today. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, for the past, I almost feel bad for some of my clients because Yeshua or the pro folks that I do sessions <laughs> with and on journeys, because Yeshua has been so redundant about this one thing, which is be careful about what seeds you plant. Because the seeds that you plant as we're moving into you know, basically a three-year cycle, though it will be more of like a decade-long cycle, we are moving into the period of you reap what you sow. So we have had this opportunity over the past two to three years to re-examine and replant seeds. And so what he's asking us to do is really question, are you going to plant a seed of faith? or fear are you going to plant a seed of forgiveness or blame and are you going to plant a seed of freedom allowing yourself and those around you freedom or are you going to choose suppression and he's really been asking us and he hasn't been making it all that easy to do so with all of the polarity and division and you know all of that stuff within the world right now but he is really asking us to be discerning about what seeds we're planting because we are settling into a period of you reap what you sow. And so those that have planted seeds continue to plant seeds of fear. You reap what you sow. Those who have planted seeds of blame, you reap what you sow. And so the choice of faith, the choice of forgiveness, the choice of freedom and letting things go right now is so incredibly important. And we don't, we have not really had accountability is, is divine accountability or really the collective consciousness moving this energy of accountability through is something that actually we haven't experienced all that often as a world or even as individual souls uh, through our evolution. Over the past You know, basically the past two eras on this planet, there's been this tendency to want to pass the buck of, you know, let's say an ego imbalance, a man goes to war and is traumatized and has no ability to talk about his emotions and becomes an alcoholic. He beats his son, his son then carries the burden and then becomes an alcoholic and passes it to his son. So we've just been kind of passing the buck. We even do this in like financial systems, you know, let's,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: let's, you know, borrow all of this money, rack up all of this debt and we'll, we'll leave it to the next generation to pay for, or we're just going to, you know, pillage the earth and, you know, and all of that. And, Oh, you know, maybe sometime in the distant future, another generation will have to clean that up. And at what point, you know, that's almost the basis for intergenerational trauma on like, you know, on a soul level or, or energetic level. But at what point are we going to be the ones that are saying, you know what, we have the courage, we have the power, we have the strength within us to own accountability. And that does not mean that we have to take accountability for things that happened 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or whatever else. It means that we need to be accountable for our own burdens and to stop blaming it on this person, that person, blaming it on mommy and daddy, blaming it on the system. Like our unhappiness and our imbalance is our own. And it's up to us as individuals to take care of our own. And as we do, We'll be able to move into deeper co-creation. So I'm, you know, I am happy that there is, you know, this kind of redistribution of, of burdens that is happening where if you've thrown a boulder in someone else's pond, you'll be held accountable to take that boulder back and, and vice versa. If someone has thrown a boulder in your pond, they're going to need to be more accountable for taking that boulder back. It's going to be a little bit weird to the mind to understand the reweaving and the movement to balance that that the divine is really orchestrating through all of this or that our souls are orchestrating in co-creation with our spirits and whatnot. But I do know that as we move through this period, there is something that is very satisfying about being accountable for your own self taking care of yourself, growing things on your own. It's like, you know, a farmer used to be accountable for his garden. And for anybody that has a garden, being accountable for your garden, it can be really hard when you're tilling and it's raining outside and planting these seeds. But all of a sudden, when the seeds grow and you look out at your garden and said, and can say, I planted that, this garden... I planted that. I can't wait to give all of these fruits and vegetables out to my neighbors and to share in this bounty. It feels really good to be accountable for what you create within your life and certainly to be accountable for your own communion and connection to to peace and certainly to kindness and to compassion.
0: Yeah, no, certainly. So the first time that I met you in person was a few weeks after I left Goop and we were in Utah and we went to the top of this mountain with a bunch of people to release birds and as you know the birds that you had sort of used the journey funds to to pay for the rehabilitation of these birds birds owls hawks and an eagle named Sauti Sauti right am I saying that yes. right it looks like yeah. saute but it's Sauti And it was such an amazing day, and we were on the top of Sundance, and we did a ceremony, and I'll never forget, and we talked about this as a group, but Sauti, the eagle, and she was hooded, and she had spent years being rehabilitated after being hit by a car, and when they went to get her out of her cage, she wouldn't let go, and... They had to free each talon with, I think it was, it sounds more violent than it was, but with pliers even. Like she just wouldn't, she was terrified. And they finally got her out of her cage. And Larry, the medicine man, tied a feather to her tail, blessed her, and they took off her hood. Oh, I have just full body chills. And then she circled us for minutes and then disappeared into a radial rainbow. And it was so amazing because it was such a beautiful metaphor for how hard it is to be free yes. and how desperately we cling to the cage, right? And these sure. structures that promise to keep us safe. And, oh, that was, it was, it's, I return to it all the time. But when I think about sort of your work, Freedom Transmissions, The cage that we're in to some extent, and sometimes the cage even of skepticism or cynicism or an aversion to anything that feels inexplicable or religious. Like you're this, the the freedom transmissions and Yeshua, like it's such an invitation to let all of that stuff go. I know you remember that day, it was so beautiful.
1: I'm about to cry just even thinking about it, but. (laughs) she was so <sighs> on the one hand you know she she's an eagle she was designed to be an eagle to soar but in her rehabilitation she became comfortable with her cage and we do sometimes become comfortable with our cages whether it's a job that we're in or a relationship and we forget, you know, where we're kind of lukewarmly happy some of the time, but there's no real joy and exploration and communion and tears and laughter and whatnot. And so she was hooded. I don't blame her in some ways, you know, of course, they have to, to, to hood the animal because of the, you know, the sunlight and the transformation. It would be too traumatic if they didn't hood them, but I don't blame her in some ways. She had no idea where mm-hmm. these two legged people with big arms that had kind of fed her, but they're not really Eagle people. They're human people. Like why should she trust us? She was, you know, going to the top of a mountain. And in that moment, she didn't know if she was gonna be taken out and slaughtered or whether she was you know, going to be taken out and moved to another enclosure. Like I just think of her and I'm not trying to anthropomorphize her and her eagle self you know, with human feelings and whatnot, but you could, you could see by the way that she was gripping on that she was so afraid of what was on the other side. And in her mm-hmm. mind, she may have even, you know, thought the worst. Where are they taking me to? What are they doing with it with me? I can't see. And that is so much of, you know, of a metaphor for us that we can't see what is beyond and the, what, what is beyond that cage. We can't see that if we step out and just open our eyes and trust with our hearts that we are enough, that The whole world is going to open before us, but what the mind likes to do while we're in that cage, just right before our liberation and movement to freedom is it loves to make up every single story about what's going to be out there. They're going to kill you. You know, you're not going to be able to feed your family. You're going to lose this. You're going to lose that. You're not going to get what you need. And there is a moment, and this is really what you know, what Yeshua is asking us for, there is some the moment and either it takes major dissonance to get there or just one moment you wake up in some miraculous way and say, I am setting myself free. There is just that moment where we take our hands, our talons, and we just push off and allow for whatever mm-hmm. is going to be, whether it's good or bad or what we want or didn't want it doesn't matter the outcome is not what matters the most important thing is to allow for those moments of freedom to come because then as you step forward knowing trusting that the divine is going to hold you the divine is your wings every step of the way they never let us fall They never let us fall, not in human form, not in spirit. And when you're able to come into that consciousness, you're already free. We almost perceive that we're in a cage when we're not. Freedom is a matter of closing your eyes, returning to the stillness and remembering your origin and your source, which is the light, which is love, which no matter what you're experiencing in the outside world is a space within you that is your sovereign right and that space is spirit and that space is god and once in a while it's when you take that leap of faith and just allow the divine to carry you to hold you that all of a sudden that hood comes off and you are staring at your freedom and you fly off and you remember what it is that you are Mm. and that radial rainbow (laughs) And then Yeshua's <laughs> face that appeared in the clouds. That was, that was the divine also reminding us that, that life is a circle. All things come full circle. We are held. We are unconditionally loved. And we are deeply powerful and worthy beings that are kind of just stumbling our, our way around in the dark, trying to find our way back home. And Yeshua shows us that pathway back to home that exists within each of us. And the more that we find that within ourselves, the the more hospitable and loving of a home we can make this earth.
0: So if I didn't make it abundantly clear, Carissa, who I've mentioned many times on social, she has no marketing, no social, no presence, no website. But over the span of a few days, she channeled this book, The Freedom Transmissions, which is the first book to come. And then she also read it, she channeled for the audio of the book. and. Every time I go to a journey, every time when I read, I read sort of the the first version of this book, and it really changes you perceptibly. My husband is not a follower of Yeshua and doesn't know Carissa. And yet every time he's like, you seem so different. So and in a positive way. I promised Jennifer, who we mentioned, who was with me sort of at the beginning of this journey that I would leave you all with the prostration prayer, which I know she says every day and I should say every day, but it is really beautiful. And so I'm going to leave it with you here. Your worth is equal to mine, beloved. My worth is equal to yours, beloved. Those who blame or I have blamed. Your worth is equal to mine, beloved. My worth is equal to yours, beloved. Those who shame or I have shamed. Your worth is equal to mine, beloved. My worth is equal to yours, beloved. Those who have guilt or I have guilted, your worth is equal to mine, beloved. My worth is equal to yours, beloved. Those who have failed me or I have failed, your worth is equal to mine, beloved. My worth is equal to yours, beloved. You are the beloved as am I. I am the beloved as are you. We are one in divine grace, divine power, divine truth, divine love. Om Nama Yeshua. So... I'll leave you guys with that. Maybe if you all are interested, we should do a little freedom transmission study group because it's a really actually very accessible book and it's really beautiful. You can sort of almost open it to any page and you'll find something, something that might resonate. All right. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode.